You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. To round out the week this week, I am doing another NBA draft redraft. Last week we did the 2019 NBA draft. Today... I'm doing the 2018 NBA Draft Redraft. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. Now, this one here was a draft that's, you know, it's going to go down, maybe not in history, maybe it will go down in history as one of the strongest drafts in recent memories. Also, it's going to go down in history as one of the drafts where people screwed it up and in pretty obvious ways that were obvious at the time, at least with one of these uh, these picks, that I was uh, banging on the drum really hard that this guy needs to go number one. And of course, he didn't go number one. And that is the way that I'm going to start by doing this 2018 redraft. At pick number one, it's Luka Doncic. He was the number one pick, or sorry, He was my number one pick heading into the draft. He should have been everyone's number one pick heading into the draft and literally should be everyone's number one pick now if we're doing a redraft. And that's not to say that some of these other players haven't been good because they have been really, really good in fact. But Doncic was number one at the time by a large margin. He's number one at the time or number one now by a large margin. And I don't really see too much of that changing uh, as we move forward. So really it's been... um, just a, an absolute monster type of uh, of season from Mon- uh, Doncic this season. He was obviously really strong as a rookie as well. Been an absolute beast so far in the NBA. Comfortably leading this rookie class in terms of VORP. Uh, over double the next highest player uh, using that uh, statistical measure. So Doncic goes at number one. At number two, it's Trey Young. Now, when I did this, uh, my board and mock draft for this draft. I didn't have Young at two. I don't remember exactly where I had him. I had Jaron Jackson at two. I think I had Young at maybe four or five, which in hindsight is wrong. But he, to me, is the guy that goes at number two. These are both uh, all-stars, Doncic and Young, uh, traded for each other. Obviously, the Hawks also got Cam Reddish in that deal. I'd still prefer Doncic. I still think the margin of Doncic over Young is pretty significant. But Trey goes at number two here. There are massive defensive concerns. Will he be able to maintain this level of usage and ball dominance on a team that's good. We haven't seen that yet. So there are some concerns there with Trey, but he is a multi-time All-Star, a multi-time top 10 fantasy player uh, as we move forward. And he has obviously been really, really good outside of those massive defensive concerns. I've got Jaron Jackson at number three. He went number four overall. He has turned into a really, really strong shooting big man. The defense hasn't quite been there to the degree we would have hoped. I thought he could be a multi-time defensive player of the year. He hasn't shown that just yet. He had some extreme foul trouble as a rookie, slightly toned down as a second-year player, but he is the guy that I would take at number three, a bloke that can play at center, can play at power forward, can bomb in. You know, six, seven threes per 36 is a huge number. Hit him at a huge rate, block some shots, can be a little bit more used offensively as well. He's got more upside there. I think he can be an absolute multi-time 
uh, all-star. He can be a, an all-NBA caliber player as well. This is this draft is unbelievable. There are going to be multiple all-NBA players. There's already one. Doncic is going to be all-NBA this season. There are going to be three to four all-NBA players, at least, I would say, in this draft, maybe five. And Jackson is one of those players. I would take him at number three. I'm really interested to see what everyone else thinks of this draft. So if you are watching this on YouTube, drop it down in the comments below what your top five would be. Expand it out to your top 10 if you want. And on Twitter, tweet it at me uh, below one of the, the posts uh, highlighting this show what you think uh, your top, uh, top of the draft will be. Because there is some changes versus how the draft actually went. Now, to me, those top three were fairly locked in. I was pretty confident that this is how I was going to do it when I went into the redraft. Well, this is going to be Doncic, no-brainer. It's going to be Young at two, and it's going to be Jackson at three. I didn't really have too many concerns there. Now it starts to get a little bit difficult. At number four, remember, the player that was picked number one and the player that was picked number two in this draft, I haven't selected them again here in this redraft, and I'm not going to do it here because I've got Shea Gildas-Alexander going at number four. I talked about him a couple of days ago on my Oklahoma City Thunder Dynasty Watch podcast talking about, can he be a top 12 fantasy guy? This redraft is not to do with fantasy, by the way. But Shea, to me, has been so good, even as a rookie with the Clippers, but stepped it up another notch this season. He's fourth in this overall class in terms of VORP. Uh, He had solid win share numbers, solid box score plus minus numbers. One of the most improved players in PIPM across the league this season. Two of the other names on that list are Doncic and Young. I think he deserves to be the number four player. Remember, he was picked by the Hornets at pick number 11 and traded to the Clippers. With that pick, the Hornets uh, yeah, probably should have made that, made that pick and held on to Shea. They imagine Shea not only pairing with Kemba, but taking over from Kemba if he decided to leave. So a bit of a, a disaster there from the Hornets in that area. But Shea, to me, goes at number four. Having a guy that can guard one, two, and three on the court can be the number. Uh, can play the one offensively, can play the two offensively, can shoot, can pass, can distribute, can score, can do so many different things. To me, he has to be uh, there at number four. And I would even entertain arguments to have him at number three over Jaron Jackson. I was still going to take Jackson there, but I would uh, have. I would entertain those arguments. At number five, I was and people here, especially Suns fans, they're going to be overly critical of me having DeAndre Ayton at number five. He should have been higher. He's a twenty and ten guy, and you know what? He's been pretty solid. He's been pretty good. I, I no doubt about that. His defense has improved this season. I just don't know that he is necessarily as valuable as any of those four blokes ahead of him. He's not more valuable than Doncic. He should never have gone number one. That's fine. I would have Trey Young over him pretty comfortably. You could say he's produced more than Jackson so far in the NBA. I, I have my debates about that. But again, if I'm drafting now, again with these guys, I think Jackson is more impactful for good teams than what Aiton will be. And plenty of you will say, I'd rather have the 20 and 10 beast down low. He's David Robinson because he's got muscly arms over Gilgis Alexander. That's not how I would prefer to build a team, but I can understand that you could make that argument. And I don't think it's a wrong argument to say that you would have Aiton at four and Shea a little bit lower. But I've got DeAndre Aiton at five. Obviously this season, uh, the ankle injuries were a bother. The suspension was an issue. He didn't have the greatest rookie season. He was still pretty good, but doesn't get to the the free throw line, doesn't shoot threes, had defensive concerns, not the greatest rim protector, although there have been improvements there. He's still, yeah, this is, I'm talking about a legendary type of draft class here. So him going at five, like if we were drafting the 2019 draft again and Aiton was in it, I'd have him at three in that one behind Zion and Jar pretty comfortably, I'm sure. Uh, If I was drafting the 2020 draft, he'd go at number one without any shadow of a doubt. But this is a draft with multiple, multiple All-Stars, All-NBA, probably Hall of Fame players in it. So Aiton has to slide down to five. At number six, 
I am taking Wendell Carter Jr. He has been horribly misused by the Chicago Bulls. Not a surprise because they are an absolute... What's the right word? Um... Ass fart of an organization? I don't know. They don't know what they're doing in Italy, any situation at all, in any basketball operations. Uh, they they are just a disaster at, at at all times. And they have misused Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter can handle the ball. He can pass. He can run offense. He can shoot threes. He can be given that latitude. He can defend. He can do a lot of different things. But they just haven't given him that opportunity. Me putting the faith in him at number six here, ahead of some other players who have outperformed him so far in the NBA, is just me going, well, the Bulls are trash. I know he can be better. And I would take him here at number six because I believe in what he can do. His actual NBA production probably doesn't deserve to be there. But in saying that, in win shares, he's still the ninth ranked player out of this class. But there are other guys you'd have over him. I just still think he can be a guy who can work both ends and can be an offensive hub who can shoot and can pass a little bit as a center. Not an offensive hub. A guy that can do multiple things and fit into multiple systems and be like someone like Al Horford. I think that's where he can peek out at, which is a really, really bloody good player. And getting him at six, you'd be pretty happy with it. At number seven, it's Bridges. Which Bridges? It's McCall Bridges of the Phoenix Suns. Bridges, who has had some struggles with his shot coming into the NBA after being a 40% shooter at Villanova. I like what he can do defensively. Someone who guards wings is a massive, massive need in the NBA. The best players in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, they are wings. Yanni Antetokounmpo, probably more of a big than a wing. Luka Doncic, you you cast him as a wing. You need blokes to defend them. Bridges can do it. If he gets his finger out of his ass, he can shoot threes. He's shown flashes of being able to pass and be a little bit higher usage as well. Just getting a guy that I know I can play and play 30 minutes. And again, talking about shit organizations, the Suns only recently figured out that he should be playing more minutes. I like having McCall Bridges there. His win shares are actually sixth overall in this class uh, so far. His uh, box score plus minus isn't quite as favorable to him. He's 12th overall there. But I think yeah, given the, the other guys who are behind him on my list, this is where I'd be taking McCall Bridges. At number eight, I'm not happy about this pick. I'm not confident in it, but I'm taking Michael Porter Jr. at number eight. Could I have taken the guy behind him, big Mitch Robinson? And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Yeah, should I have? Probably. But when I'm at pick eight and Michael Porter's there and I go, is there an ability for me to get a bloke who generates his own shots and can do it efficiently and score 22 points a game in the NBA? I think I've got to take that chance on him. And I think that that's what pushes him ahead here. So I am taking Porter at eight. He still has defensive concerns. He still has injury issues, obviously, with the back that cost him all of his season and then had some ankle problems this year, which cost him time. Uh, But I I think just that offensive upside from Porter with some rebounding strengths in there as well, a lot to do offensively in terms of passing and defensively. I think Porter's got to be the guy that that I take here at number eight. And then, of course, I already spoiled it. Number nine is big Mitchie Robinson, who's been, of course, horribly... And hey, how many times have I said horribly misused? Bulls, Suns, and Knicks. Three absolute arsewipe franchises that have just screwed around and don't know what they're doing. Playing Robinson behind Taj Gibson, limiting his minutes when he's not even in foul trouble, is a nonsensical thing to do. He has put up some absolute monster advanced numbers. Uh, third in this class in box score plus minus. Second in this class in win shares, only marginally behind Doncic there. Uh, third in this class in VORP as well, just putting up some really big numbers and has been misused by the Knicks. I, I think we've got to take him here at number nine. You'll notice out of these first nine picks, the bloke who was picked at number two, he hasn't been mentioned yet. 
He's going to come soon, but he hasn't been mentioned yet. Mitchie Robinson jumping all the way from the second round up to pick number nine right here. Now, I probably should tell you about my friends at MyBookie. Sports have stopped, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean that you can't find ways to keep yourself occupied and entertained by accessing your favorite games like Blackjack, Roulette, Slots War, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with MyBookie. If video poker isn't your thing, but you still need your fix, they have you covered with a host of live casino dealers, Plus, they also have partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wages on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate that offer. Promo code LOCKEDONNBA for mybookie.ag. You spin, you win, and you get paid. Let's move on to the next bunch of guys here in this uh, redraft, and at pick number 10, it is the Padawan Colin Sexton. Sexton has been much improved over the second half of this season, and that doesn't take away from the fact that he was bad as a rookie, and he was pretty bad to begin this season, and his defense is still a real, real problem. His advanced stats have him 27th in win shares for this team. Sorry, for this class. That's obviously not a uh, not a good number. His uh, box score plus minus is... Yeah, 35th in this class. His VORP is a big negative. There are lots to not like about Sexton. How much of that is the team? How much of that is his play style? But also, how much of his good scoring and ball dominance is to do to his team? And if he plays on a better team, what the hell else is he going to contribute? But again, a guy that's being as efficient as he is and scoring as many points as he is while showing improvements in his ball handling and getting others involved, I've got to take him here at um, at this spot at number 10. I believe he was the... Uh, uh, the ninth uh, player, sorry, the eighth player taken overall. So a couple of drops down. That's not really a massive indication of how he's played. It's just that guys have jumped ahead of him, like Yildiz Alexander, like Mitchie Robinson jumping ahead of him here, like McCall Bridges. Now at number 11, I am taking Marvin Bagley, and I did this redraft a couple of days ago. And now that I'm talking about it here, I'm not actually sure I'd take him at number 11. Uh, I think this is me putting the number two draft stock pedigree behind it and go, well, maybe he figures it out. Can he be a 20-point per game scorer? But then I look at some of the names under him and go, well, they've already produced more than him so far in the NBA. And can they be more valuable player archetypes in the NBA? Probably. But at pick 11, let's take a flyer on, on Marvin Bagley, who again, uh, as we said, has not been good through his first uh, couple of seasons in the NBA. Multiple injuries. He's played only 75 games. Compare that to Shea, who's played 145 games. That is a massive discrepancy. Now, Bagley, despite playing so few games, he's still 14th overall in win shares, which is a pretty good number. He's 12th overall in win shares per 48. Now, his box cost... Box score plus minus isn't as good, 17th. So I think this is about the right area. Late lottery for Bagley. Can he turn into a player who ever shoots threes in high volumes? I have doubt. Passes, no way. Uh, defensively, yeah, I'm not sure. But he can be a solid points and rebounds guy. But is that a guy that leads to winning in the NBA? I'm not sure he does. And that's why I've got him down at number 11. At number 12, we're looking at Fanta Pants, Kevin Herter. He was picked a few picks after this in the actual draft. He's found himself a role in Atlanta, pick number 19th overall in the draft. I think this is the round the right spot, someone who can create a little bit, can defend at a decent enough level, can score, can ramp up, can take a back seat, can just do things as a wing who can handle the ball, which is, again, something I really value in players. And a lot of this, me redrafting, is me doing it. 
Like it's not me looking at team needs here with any of this stuff. It's like, who do I want above? But I want a wing who can defend, who can shoot, who can handle the ball, who can play up in multiple positions rather than someone who can't shoot, can't defend and plays one position like you know, some of these other guys, like someone even like Mo Bamba, who we're going to see a little bit later. But I've got fan of pants there at number 12. Uh, I think he's been really strong in his first couple of seasons in the NBA. At number 13, Devontae Graham jumps all the way up from the second round. And despite his limited year in uh, his rookie season, he's 15th overall in win shares with his team. Now, there are massive concerns with his shooting. He's fallen off a lot since his start of the year. But again, some of that's the team he's on. Can he be a serviceable NBA point guard? Think of a Jeff Teague type, maybe someone even a little bit worse than that. But that's solid enough for pick number 13 here to get a starting caliber-ish point guard uh, with the 13th pick. I think Devontae has to be your pick. At number 14, I'm going with the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. If you heard my Bucks Dynasty podcast, you know that myself and Kane Pittman were pretty high on him. I think he starts next season. I think he's a guy, again, a wing who defends, who can shoot, who can handle the ball. He's going to be a really, really good player for the next six, seven years minimum. And I think taking him here, which, and I didn't really like the pick at the time when the, the Bucks grabbed him, but yeah, he picked, was picked at pick 17. I think his play deserves him jumping up, and he is there at number 14. The next two guys both play for the same real-life team. Both were undrafted. Number 15, the Spur, Duncan Robinson. Number 16, Kendrick Nunn. They were both in... Someone asked me, why didn't I not have Kendrick Nunn in the 2019 redraft? Because he was a 2018 draft player. He just went undrafted. Both of these guys have been starters for Miami all season. Really, really solid. I think Robinson's a, a better player than Nunn, hence I've got him above here. But Nunn has shown an ability to be a point guard who can generate offense for himself, who can play some solid defense. I think this is the right spot for these guys. And you could easily make the argument that you'd want Robinson and Nunn over DiVincenzo and Graham and Herder and Bagley. I personally wouldn't. You could even say you want him over Sexton. I personally wouldn't. Obviously, that's where I had them in the draft, but you could say that about these guys who have jumped way up into this you know, type, lottery type of an area of the draft. Another second-round guy who's jumped up here is De'Anthony Melton, all the way up to number 17. Didn't like the way that he was um, you know, traded straight away from Houston. I thought he would be perfect in Houston, playing a, maybe a Patrick Beverly type of role in the future. Went to Phoenix. They didn't really give him enough opportunity, and he's starting to thrive here in uh, Memphis. He is definitely an NBA player. 46th overall pick last season who can play the one, can play the two. Shooting is a concern. There's no doubt about that. But defensively, he's already there. I think he can pass a little bit better than what we've seen. And I think that he deserves to be this first-round player. And I believe when I did my mock draft, I had him around this 17 to 25 type of range anyway. And that's exactly where I would pick him. The next player I've got here is Landry Shamet. He was picked number 26th in real life. Uh, I've got him 18th here. Again, arguments to have him over Nunn, Melton, Robinson, Graham, DiVincenzo, easy. You could easily do that. He's been really valuable. He shoots the three well. Uh, there are, I have lots of concerns about what else he can do. Like, what the hell more does he build on from where he is? I think that he's good at what he does at the moment, shooting threes. What else can he do? Can he be a full-time point guard? No, I don't believe so. Can he be a better secondary ball handler than guys like Herder or DiVincenzo? I don't believe so either. Is he a better three-point shooter than Duncan Robinson? No, I don't believe so. I think this is the right spot for Shaman, who was picked at pick 26. It's a bit of a jump up there for him, but I think this is the right area to select him. Next up at number 19, it is a big faller, and that is Mobamba. One, two, three, four, five. He just hasn't been good. Simple as that. Now, can he become good? Can he become a shot-blocking, three-point shooting big man? Maybe. I'm not sure that he can. 
Can he stay on the court and produce positive value? He hasn't done it in two years. I'm not writing him off from doing it. And that's why the, the talent level is there. The building blocks are there. But we just haven't seen it. And uh, yeah, in two more years, if that doesn't come, then it's just not coming from Bumba. But taking that upside pick here is probably the right area. Plenty of you will argue that he should be higher here. And I can understand why you would think that. I just uh, haven't seen it from him at this point. So I'm not picking him any higher. At number 20, the burner. Jalen Brunson, a second-round point guard who has been really good, shown he can run an NBA team in limited spurts, uh, playing for Dallas in that perfect role to take over eventually from J.J. Bray, or not eventually, he's already done it. He's 11th in this class in win shares so far, which is obviously a really good number for a, a second-round player. Uh, win shares per uh, 48, he's, he's not quite as high. He's 16th there. Uh, Vorp, he's at 13th overall in this draft class. I, I feel like this is a, about the right area for him to be drafted. At 21, another Bridges. This is Miles Bridges. Massive opportunity for Bridges this season. Did not take advantage of it whatsoever. Has struggled a lot. His advanced stuff this year has been pretty rough, but still overall, he's 12th in this class in win shares. He was picked 12th last season. Um, yeah, can he? He had an opportunity to up his usage. He didn't really take full advantage of that. He had some real issues with efficiency in ramping up that role as small as the role ramped up. He still wasn't able to take full advantage of it. I think he's fine in this area. He's a rotation player at very minimum. Is he a starter? On a shit team, yes. On a good team, probably not. So I think this is the right area for him. At number 22. Now, again, this one, people will uh, will disagree with this. But again, this is just... We're in pick 22 range of the draft. I want a bloke who can come into my rotation, who I know can stick there for four or five years and is not going to be a high-usage player to take away from others, and that's Kendrick Williams, an undrafted player from the Pelicans. He just makes good shit happen. It doesn't always reflect in the box score, but when he is out there, good shit happens. And I don't... What more can you actually ask for from a player like uh, Kendrick Williams at pick 22 to come in and be good. Like that's exactly what he does. He's good. And that's why I'm taking him at that pick. At number 22, a bit of a fall down from his draft spot is Troy Brown. He was picked 15th overall. Has been limited by the way the Wizards have used him, I believe. That doesn't mean that he is as bad as what he's shown at times, but there is that ability. I worry about his shooting. I worry sometimes about his speed and his ability to you know, ramp up or scale up. I don't think that's there. But again, as a 22-minute-a-night player, an Evan Turner-ish type of a guy who can come in and handle the ball and if, you know, defend a little bit, I think there's value in having him at that spot. Lonnie Walker comes in next for me at number 24. Lonnie has really done very little in his San Antonio Spurs career. That's Spurs-related, not necessarily Lonnie-related, but you know that I've got significant doubts about what he can do. Can he become ever a good volume three-point shooter? Not sure. Can he pass? No. Rebound? No. Defend? A little bit? Yeah. The athletic gifts are there. The shooting flashes sometimes are there. I think this is the right spot to take him, obviously, because I took him there. At number 25, Aaron Holiday. Again, backup point guard. Having good backup point guard play is really important in the NBA. Holiday's shown he can run that. I don't know if I'm confident in him as a starting point guard, but at this at the, this point, there's at least some upside for him to get to that level. But being this solid enough backup point guard who can shoot a little bit is really important, and I think Aaron Holiday there is the right one. At 26, Josh Kogi. Probably should have had him a little bit higher, to be honest. Um, I'm looking at it now. Would I take a Kogi over Kendrick Williams? Miles Bridges, maybe. Um, he's shown some flashes here towards the end of this season that have looked encouraging. I'm probably a little bit low here on a Kogi on second thoughts, but you know, this is not a terrible spot to have him. And then at number 27, the Shark, Bruce Brown. 
baby shark. Do, 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 do. Brown can handle the ball. He can defend his ass off. Uh, the shooting has improved. I like him as a player, a second-round guy who's jumped up here. Uh, he's never going to be a star, in my opinion, but overall, 16th in win shares after being picked 42nd. That's a, a pretty strong win. Uh, box score plus minus, he hasn't been quite as good, but still in the top 30 players out of this draft class. I think this is the right area to have Bruce Brown. Let's start to go through these a little bit quicker now. At number 28, Svi Mikhailuk. Yeah, I'm not confident on that one either. I think he, sh he was not good for the Lakers. He's shown a little bit more this year for the Pistons. I don't think he can scale up and ever become a starter caliber player. But as a shooting guy who is a worse version of a Landry Shamit, then yeah, Svee can move into that role. At number 25, the Rock DJ, Robbie Williams. Um, blocks a lot of shots. There's no doubt about that. Can be impactful, but injuries have been a problem. Uh, they were a problem for him heading into the draft as well. Um, defensively, he has been really bad outside of blocking shots, which isn't just defense. Offensively, he can be a dominant player. And again, you know, taking that upside pick on him, I think he's fine in this area. But a lot of people would have him significantly higher than that, and I am not one of those. At number 30, Anthony Simons, who was picked around this range in the real draft. Really disappointing this season, and I was um, discussing or debating, not discussing because I'm sitting here doing this by myself, debating whether I should put him lower than this. And I think that the next two guys after him absolutely have arguments to go ahead of him. And those two players are uh, Shake Milton. And his teammate, Gary Trent. Nice, Gary! Um, Simon showed some flashes, no doubt. But defensively, he's lost. He can't run a team. The shooting hasn't been there. I think yeah, taking that flyer on him as a really young player is interesting. 31, I've got Shake Milton. 32, I've got Gary Trent, who was non-existent last season. Trent Milton also uh, had some injury problems, but... His opportunity, taking over from Ben Simmons as the starter, he's been unbelievable. And realistically, I probably should have Shake ahead of Robbie Williams, ahead of Svee McKay-Luke as well, ahead of Troy Brown, ahead of Lonnie Walker, Aaron Holiday. Yeah, and in re-looking at this again, I'm going, yeah, I think Shake is probably too high. Sorry, too low. I should have him a fair bit higher up. At number 33 is Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks, who was really good for the Nets last season and has fallen way out of consideration. Now, there's still that troubling uh, allegation against him, which I haven't really heard anything further on that. And that is as a worry in terms of ship blokeness, which is a concern for me. But I thought he was a really solid starter last season who should have played more and in a different scenario would play more. And same as his teammate, who's at number 34 here, Janan Musa who we really haven't seen do anything in the NBA. I've loved what he's done G League level. I liked his uh, European numbers. I still think he can break into a starting caliber player, but we haven't seen real proof of that. Isaac Bonga at 35. The advanced stuff absolutely loves this bloke. He can defend, he can he can pass, he can rebound. The scoring's not quite there, but then he has flashes of those games. And I think, again, the guys who are under him, just taking that fly here on someone like Bonga, if that advanced stuff all comes together, you've got yourself a, a pretty solid player. At number 36, Grayson Allen, who has looked much better this season in Memphis, had that injury that's cost him the end of the season, much better in, in Memphis than he was in Utah, and looks like a rotation caliber player. So I'm taking him at number 36. At number 37, I'm going with Javon Carter. Uh, now of Phoenix, formerly of Memphis, can defend, but not sure what else he can do. But I think he's shown he can be at least a backup point guard. And his current teammate, Ali Kobo, goes at number 38. Another point guard who I thought would be much better than what he has been, has really struggled so far in his uh, two seasons in the NBA. Number 39 is Flaming Mo Wagner. Disappointing last season. Really strong this year. Probably should do this one. But 
as this high usage, high efficiency big man, where the defense isn't there, how much flukiness is this first 30, 40 games of this season from him, I have my worries. That's why I'm not pushing him up any higher. At number 40, Chandler Hutchison. I I don't I don't know what to say about him. I, he's definitely not worth the pick that the Bulls spent on him. There's so many other players they should have taken there. I think he can be a rotation player for a few years, but that's probably about it. 41 is Keita Bates-Diop of the, now off the Denver Nuggets, formerly of the Minnesota Timberwolves. When he's played, I thought he's looked okay, but it's always been on shit teams in tanking situations. Can he ever be a rotation player in a good team? I'm starting to have my doubts about that, but I think taking him here is fine. And then you'll see the biggest faller in this whole draft. At number 42, the player who was selected at number nine, the fort, Kevin Knox. You could easily make arguments that he's been the worst player in the NBA for each of the last two seasons, and I wouldn't argue against that. I think that's true. Based on what he's done in the NBA, he deserves to be actually lower than this. But again, he's still really young. He's on an absolute shitful organization who has been really bad in terms of his development. So I'm giving him a little bit of upside there. Where would you take Knox? Is 42 too low? Am I being crazy? Or where would you have him realistically? Let me know. 43, the wizard, Omari Spellman. Too fat last season, played well for the Warriors. And then they said, yeah, maybe not. Went to Minnesota and they actually said, no bloody way. Absolutely no way. Just go and sit home. We don't want you anything to do with the team, which is a real weird move for a third-year player. Shown some flashes, but there just seems to be too much else stuff going on there for him to be considered a, a realistic NBA long-term prospect. Another player who's been really disappointing is my number 44 pick here. DRC, Zaire Smith, had that season ruined last season by injury and then a sesame allergy or some shit. Hasn't really come on at all this year. Um, I still think the ability is there for him, and that's why I'm taking a fly. And realistically, would I take him over Spellman and Knox? Yeah, I think upside-wise, yes. Bates, Diop, and Hutchison, yes. But he just hasn't shown anything at this point, and that's the concern. At number 45, it's another Robinson. We've already had Mitchie Robinson go. We've already had Dunk Robinson go. This is Jerome Robinson, who was laughably a lottery pick. I think this is probably... When I did my mock, I think I had him around the 30th pick. And even that, I think, is too high. He comes in here at number 45. Now, with the Wizards, had a couple of starts there. I just don't know what he does that's good at an NBA level to be worthy of a pick higher than this. Let's round out the rest of this draft now. By looking at number 46, Jordy McLaughlin. I talked about him in the Wolves show yesterday. I really think he's a capable backup point guard. Uh, maybe he should be higher than this. 47 is MC Hamadou Diallo. Have a time. 48, uh, we've got Jared Vanderbilt. 49, the Comet Gary Clark, an undrafted player who deserves to be in this area. At 50, Brandon Goodwin. At 51, Keelan Martin, who's been who's had some moments this season for the Timberwolves. Number 52, we've got Theo Pinson. Number 53, this bloke is, of course, better than Luka Doncic. That's why he's a pick number 53 here. Alonzo Trier, who, again, you've got to give some credit to him for playing for the Knicks, and that's why he's not playing, but he still is not a good player at this stage. Number 54 is Yuta Watanabe of the Memphis Grizzlies, a big man who showed some flashes in his time on the court. 55, Jacob Evans, who really hasn't shown us anything interesting at all so far in the league. He's now another one of those players that's with the Timberwolves in that D'Angelo Russell trade, and they said, no, we don't actually need you to play. At 56, Kevin Hervey. At number 57, uh, we've got uh, Frazier, and for some reason his name is completely, uh, completely escaping me. Melvin Frazier, that's the one, the one from Orlando. Why couldn't I why couldn't I think of his first name? Melvin Frazier there, who's done absolutely nothing so far in the NBA, but has got some measurables and defensive upside. 58 is Chris Chiotza, a small point guard who's shown an ability to get out there and uh, and score and distribute and at least be a third string point guard in the NBA. 59 is Wenyan Gabriel, a big man from the Kings who's now on the Blazers, who's you know, had some moments in the league. And then 
with my last pick in this draft. It's a guy that we haven't even seen in the NBA this season, weirdly enough, Jamario Jones, who I thought was really good for the Lakers last season, was uh, traded over to the Wizards in the uh, Wagner and Bonga deal to cr uh, create that cap space for the Lakers, and then the Wizards waived him, and we haven't seen him back, but he's a really, really strong rebounding forward who uh, I think is worthy of taking with that 60th pick to see what we can develop out of him. That will do it for me today, guys, in my redraft. Let me know. What did you think I, I did wrong here? Where would you have had guys differently? Drop them in the comments. Tweet them at me. Put them on Instagram, whatever you want to do with it. Subscribe to this show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube as well. And don't forget to check out today's episode of Locked On NBA by telling your smart device to play Locked On NBA. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.